This is the PowerShell Podcast, a production of PDQ.com, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. The PowerShell Podcast. It's all about PowerShell and the PowerShell community. And now... Here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey everybody, welcome to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm mediocre host, Jordan, with Ultra Mega Superstar, Andrew. What's up? And, and we're back with uh, another... Uh, I am, I'm loving this podcast. Like, I've always enjoyed it, but recently, it's starting to feel like we're hitting a, we're hitting a rhythm here, a groove. Definitely are. We're hitting that groove, man. We're, we're finding, we're trying new things. Some things are working, some things aren't. We're learning, we're, we're crafting our style. It's a good time. Yeah, we, we tried this version out last week, and Kelly's notes were, eh, it's all right, just don't run too long. So let's, let's jump right in. We have a, a blog we wanted to highlight. Yeah, an awesome blog by an awesome person. Who is this person? It's Jordan. Brock. That's our friend. We work That's with right. that guy, right? We do, yep. He, uh, he, he writes blogs for us full-time. He's new to PowerShell, but he, he tackles big subjects, and he just dives in and learns all of it. So... The blog that's out there right now is all about loops, and it's it's fantastic. I recommend we'll put the link down below. I recommend you go to go to and give that one a read. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely good. Um, I like Brock because he has you can hear his voice in his blogs. Like it makes it actually interesting, which isn't always the approach that I've taken whenever I've written blogs. Um, so shout out Brock. We got to get him as a guest sometime because it's really interesting to see him grow at PowerShell. Because in my opinion, he's pretty legit now. Like he sees some things and shows them to me. I'm like, dang, man, you're really in this PowerShell thing. Yeah. He hit me up about, he had put in a uh, calculated property. He wasn't mm-hmm. sure what it was. He's just making sure that, is that the right thing? And it's like, you just stumbled on something pretty awesome there. So it was pretty cool to see. Uh, see, the other news is you're, you're officially paid to do the podcast. That's a nice change for you. Yep. I'm officially joining uh, the likes of Jordan. <laughs> Real professional. All right. Uh, with that, uh, the way, what did you bring on our guest? I got a request real quick. Okay. Speaker request. You know, I mentioned it before on the podcast, deep in them, but I'll put it up front here. Gainesville PowerShell User Group is looking for speakers. Um, we'd love to have some remote speakers, some first-time people. We'll get you in. We'll make an event around it. doesn't have to be too long of a presentation. I'm happy to work with you on a subject. Hit us up. Now, Jordan, we got something way bigger than just you and I. We do. We, we have... Got, uh, we have, uh, he's author, MVP, new dad. I, I mean, I think he's been a dad for a while, but he's new dad. Two again. time. Two, two time. time. Twice right. as nice. Hey, everybody, welcome Michael Zanata. G'day, everybody. How you going? <laughs> All right. It's <laughs> awesome to have you here. So you said this the book that you just wrote. It, I'm sorry, I have the name up. I just have to read it. <laughs> uh, Modern <laughs> IT Automation with PowerShell. Yes. Um, so that's. The community textbook. Okay. Yeah. What is that? Um, mean? It's, it's basically it's a textbook written by the community for the community. That's as simple as it uh, can be. Um, but the idea is is that um, the book um, focuses on extension on the framework of um, mod. Oh, sorry. Um, with PowerShell conference book. PowerShell. Oh, it's it's more along the lines of the it's. It's a kind of deviation from the PowerShell conference book, and it's kind of a start or a do-over. Um, it starts with the um, – you start off it, – essentially, it's kind of that PowerShell journey. So we start off with the um, um, month of lunches, tool making, 
this is kind of that next book where it really focuses on more of that commercial space on um, what you actually do with PowerShell in a commercial setting. So it's you've learned you've, you've learned enough to be dangerous. Now let's go and actually kind of constrain it a little bit so that you then know how to be dangerous safely. That's really a great antithesis for the book. I, I like that. Be dangerous safely. Yeah. It's a- so it's more of a, a journey. Like you're taking them from point A to point B kind of deal. And uh, it's it's whereas the conference book was more of like a hodgepodge of different topics within different categories. Is that um, it's more structured. Yeah, it's right. more structured. So conference book is, yeah, single, single chapter, specific topic. Um, we've migrated away from that into more formalized chapters. So, um, you know, the first chapter is about collab, or the first section is about collaboration. So we look at Git, we look at, you know, um, how to actually do code reviews, things like that, um, because these are these are key elements, um, especially when you're writing code that you might not be exposed to, that you're going to need to know in a commercial setting. Um, things like um, advanced PowerShell, how to refactor, excuse me, how to refactor PowerShell in a way that's, um, you know, more readable, maintainable, um, testable, how to actually write unit tests, different types of unit testing. So, you know, um, and mocking, things like that. So it kind of, it's a broad thing. And actually the other one, which is security as well, really focusing on PowerShell security. And I think that's been a bit, a little bit of a neglected area. Um, so we've starting to put a lot more investment in that um, around, you know, how to actually set up um, constrained language mode with AppLock or um, with an Intune, how to um, implement and enforce session configurations, you know, around that, uh, around PowerShell remoting, um, these kinds of areas that we really wanted to focus into. And there's a kind of, you know, and there's just really, really good little nuggets around there that things that you just, it's it's really handy to know. So things like SDDLs, um, um, where you can, um, you know, go down the rabbit hole and actually learn a little bit more about how, how ACEs and ACLs work, um, and you can apply those to your session configuration, and just basic things as well, like you know, advanced advanced conditions within PowerShell. So things like how to use the, you know, the contains operator or the in operator, you know, other things like bitwise operators. So we, you know, spend a, a fair bit of time in that, and then talking about, um, you know. When you do an XOR with int 32 type or with an int 32, why is it actually giving you a completely different answer? Um, and we talk a little bit about signed and unsigned integers. So it kind of starts to delve into those, you know, those more developer topics so that, you know, a when you kind of read the book, you go, okay, I get a lot more of the advanced stuff, but it's not too much where you're feeling overwhelmed and you can take it at your own pace. And the best part about this book as well is it's structured so that learning um, institutions, if they want to pick up the book, they can basically say, hey, we can teach this from, you know, point A to point B because it takes you on that journey. So you learn the basics like Git, collaboration, things like that, and then you progress in lots more of those advanced topics and you finish up with a nice round ending of our security so yeah security is a, a nice touch that's a every time we have a guest that's security focused it's it's pretty popular yeah so it, it's almost like that one is all right you've started to learn powershell you've started to build some automation in your environment now, now read this book so you can go through and see what you have to correct 
yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a that's a really great way to to, to approach it. Um, it's it's a, it's a kind of funny story because it's it's not just appropriate just to PowerShell. Like it's um, a lot of the collaboration side of things is more focused and tailored towards just general you know development. So um, at work at the moment, I'm basically you know there's there's a lot of people that are saying you know we're moving them into um, a workflow a Git workflow structure away from um, team foundation version control. So we're moving them into Git. And I was like, this, this book, the first, the first, you know, first couple of chapters, you guys will own it. You just need to read that book. Um, but they, are, but it, it's, it's, it's a really, really, it's, it's really interesting because it's just, um, different areas and different teams are going to be able to utilize that book. You know, the SecOps guys will be able to look at the security side of things and go, okay, you know, this makes sense. This is how to actually structure it formally to be as secure as possible, and I can look at these other um, these other modules to help supplement um, any sort of additional security with it. You've got the you know um, if you if you've got a guy who's just you know one hundred percent focused in PowerShell, you know he, he doesn't know how to write unit tests or he doesn't know how to um, you know structure um, code in a way that is uh, maintainable and testable. Um, there's there's a little section for him, but the whole idea is that there's a big journey on that. So yeah, that's huge. I would have loved to have had that in my previous job. Um, I can't imagine so many good use cases for a book like this. It seems mm. like by capturing the expertise of the community, um, you can sort of have like a technical mentor to help you with some of these topics that maybe are not implemented in your organization. And this is, we talk about this a lot, Jordan, kind of a source of authority you can use to kind of bring in and say, hey, here's how things probably should be done. It doesn't look like we're approaching things in this manner. Um, it, it just gives you a starting point where if you don't have someone more advanced, technically they can't kind of give you that huge book. Very cool. So I got it. Yeah. I'm also very, and it's not complete either. It's not complete. Really? We've, this is the first edition. Yeah. We've got a lot more to add to it. Um, and there's a lot of little secret things that we're wanting to do as well. Um, that I'm not going to reveal yet because it might annoy, um, we, we have, I haven't fully discussed with James, um, James, uh, James yet. Um, but, the idea is is that um, yeah we've got some we we want to make it um, we want to make it as um, accessible for everyone as possible and we were trying to thinking thinking and brainstorming of ways to do that but lots of work involved in that book and um, yeah it's so actually I was just quickly I was going to go a quick segue it's actually really really interesting with LeanPub um, is that LeanPub doesn't have an indexing service um, so. Um, one of the guys on um, on the team, um, huge shout out um, to um, Nick Bissell. Um, he's a he's he works in the medicine field, but he's a PowerShell gun. And then Regex extraordinaire. Like there's a whole a whole section on Regex, and it's really good. Um, and so we didn't have our own we didn't have our own um, indexing process. We needed to write an index for a textbook. Like it's a textbook. We've got to write up an index for it. So we just wrote our own. And he basically, it's it's really, really interesting because what he had to do is you had to actually go and download the production copy of the um, PDF, go through essentially a CSV file of annotations that we needed to add into that, dynamically search the book with regex, and then be able to actually automatically construct from Markdown, in Markdown, the actual um, index um, table into your current commit. It's really, really interesting. Wow. Automation. Jeez. It is yeah. awesome. But man, Regex is just one of those. I'm every time there's someone's like, oh, he's awesome at Regex, 
I instantly respect that person way more. Just out of the, they, they have a default respect that's uh, about as high as you can get. Yep, absolutely. It's it's one of those things that um, you can. It, it takes it. it like I personally, I'm, I'm okay at regex. I generally just jump on the regex, you know, um, tester, and then I muck around with it. He's just like banging out these expressions that are just, you know, like perfect. That's always uh, <laughs> fun to see. I, I would definitely. I'm going to end up with this book because the security side. Mm. I did a, a webcast on constrained language mode, and mm. the resources for this, even as important as it is, where it's almost becoming mandatory. There's not mm. a lot of resources on how to do it. I, I leaned heavily on, I want to say the blog was by Lee Holmes. Yep. He did one that I leaned heavily on that. And then when I went to do the live version of it, when my testing, I had enabled it with no exceptions allowed. So I couldn't run any of my PowerShell anyway. <laughs> so I, I was able, I was able to work through that and uh, get it trouble. And, and uh, you know, go through the process of getting it all set up. But it's one of those things where it's becoming almost mandatory and there's still not a lot of information on everything about it. So it's to, uh, the end of the book alone, it makes it worth a purchase in my mind. Yeah. The one thing that, um, and this is actually uh, kind of a, a bit of a, um, a, a like to see within constrained language mode is um, within PowerShell session configuration, you can set or define the language mode. So um, you can be no language, um, it's no language, full language, constrained, and there's another one. What's it restricted? Um, and the idea is is that um, you can actually set the language mode, and that's one thing I would really like to see in the console itself. So it's not just bound to constrained language mode. It's just you as administrator can basically say, "All right, let's take the session configuration." that you have, you know, for a PowerShell remoting session and let's apply it to a console. So it means that you can only run these commandlets. You can do X, Y, and Z. And the thing is, is the, the session configuration, um, the role capability files that you can attach to a session configuration, you can dynamically build them out based on RBAC. You can apply RBAC over the top of them using within Active Directory. So it just means that within that space, you can dynamically control and massage your session configuration according to a user's requirements. So it's not specifically set to a, um, you know, here's a language configuration and that's it, you know, one size fits all. Uh, fits all. It's a dynamic, um, a dynamic environment where each user has its own configuration that's applied from a role capability. So, so with that, if it's on the console, uh, I mean, part of the people doing a group policy is you can't just mm -hmm. run PowerShell as bypass. If if you set it on the yeah. console level, could you just do bypass and get around constrained language mode? No, no, oh. constrained like no. So the way constrained language mode works under the hood is when PowerShell fires up. Um, okay, if you have AppLocker or you have Intune enforced, um, the way that PowerShell works when it fires up, and this is actually one of the things it does in the book, it does a deep dive into constrained language mode and looks at the C sharp logic. Um, it essentially looks at the PowerShell process looks, essentially it uses, um, it looks for an app locker policy and Intune uses app locker under the hood, just saying. Um, but the way that it looks for an app locker policy and if, the, if a policy, it essentially creates a file and if that policy, if that file has an access denied, it knows that policy has been enforced. And then what it does is it basically sets the language mode to constrained mode. 
So what then happens is everything after that then um, transpires. And it's kind of interesting, though, because if you look into the logic of new, um, for instance, new object, you can actually see there's a specific condition in within there. It says if, you know, if language mode is constrained language mode, um, you know, do this. Okay. And so it, it allows you to, um, it, there's, there's specific logic in there that basically controls the outcome of the language mode. So, yeah. Okay. That, that, that's and I was definitely off base on that one because I always assumed it was mm. similar like with the way the profile loads. So if you do something machine or user specific, just bypass gets by it and then anything yep. set by policy. So it's not that way. That's fantastic to hear that because mm. being able language, to have granular yeah. control is a big deal, I think, especially for something yeah. like that. So the only way you can bypass it is if you have an app locker policy in place that basically has a publisher rule, a script rule, a file rule in place that basically says, I am allowing this script to run or I'm allowing this file to run. Then you can go to that file and run it. And then if you basically um, had, you know, I think it's um, session state dot, um, I can't remember the exact property path, <laughs> the object path, but if you go and actually show what mode it is in, then it will run it in the correct mode. So there is, you could still, it, it's just those policies within AppLocker control, um, the, control the execution and that will run in full language mode if they're allowed to run. But as a rule of thumb, the best way to do it is use certificates. So sign your code, um, sign your code, that's, that's a biggie. Um, and then use those code signing certificates um, as a publisher rule. And that will help you enable, allow what scripts are enabled within your organization. You can still have some issues with um, other modules and third-party dependencies, but it's a good start anyway. And you can kind of narrow it down that way. Did you write these chapters on this constrained language mode part? I I, I write the constrained language mode chapter, yeah. Okay, okay. Like, dang, how involved were you? I can't I can just dump you. I give you bad information. It's like, no, you're wrong, which I'm used to hearing. That's, that's a default for me. But the, the last part is make sure you don't allow PowerShell version 2. Otherwise, constrained language absolutely, mode means nothing. Absolutely. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Get rid of that. That that, that shouldn't even be on your computer. I love this like, guy, George. Yeah, yeah. Shift delete it. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's a, it's a DLL. You, you can either prevent the DLL from loading or remove the DLL. I don't know about removing. I'm going to say prevent it from loading works. And, and you can just remove the feature. Remove the feature? Okay. Just remove the feature. And that's it. And they can't re-add it because if it's just like a, a simple add role type thing to get it back in there or? They need a minister of privileges oh, to do that. Okay. Yeah. If you can, at the end of the day though, it's like you could, if you really wanted to, yeah, you can, you can go the extra mile and explicitly block it. Um, but Microsoft basically just say, just remove the feature. Just, just untick that button. You're good to go. Well, well, clearly you are the expert on this. I'll, 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 I'll believe so. you. <laughs> Man, that book, Jordan. Yeah. In my opinion, and I don't, you know, I can't say this 100%, but I feel like if you're an IT professional doing things with PowerShell, uh, you're going to want to have this reference. You're going to want, I mean, it doesn't, I don't think many people, from my impressions of the state of the world, I don't think many people are executing on all the things that are contained in the book that we've just discussed so far. There's so mm. much value in there. My goodness. The one thing about constrained language mode, and this is something that I say, is that there's still wiggle room. And this is one of the reasons why I say um, I would like to see it. You can set configuration like PowerShell remoting and session configuration. Or I say session configuration because that's what the command let's say, but JEA, um, the um, session configuration file, like taking that and applying it to the console. That's what I want to be able to do because um, there's still wiggle room in there and I don't like wiggle room. As a security guy, 
um, if I put my security hat on, I go, wiggle room is bad. Like you can still do stuff. You can still do invoke web requests. That being said, and I kind of make a comment in this book, there's a really good module um, by um, Adam Discroll called PowerShell Protect. And essentially what it does is it hooks into the um, anti-malware scan interface, AMSI, um, and it allows you to pre-pass and review executed code to a pre-executed code and whether to allow it or not. It's quite interesting. Um, and this is it's actually it, this is something that I was thinking about a lot more is that you can hypothetically take that um, AMSI um, capabilities and then the idea is that what you can do is use um, essentially develop an AI to look at the logic of malicious code. So train the AI on malicious code and say these this code is malicious and then train an AI on code that basically says this code is known as safe. You can essentially, you know, use the PowerShell gallery to do that. And then the idea is that you can use that AI to be able to help provide an additional layer of security that sits on top to protect against those kinds of third-party, you know, um, 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 third-party malicious code execution. So it's not looking for specific, um, you know, commandlets. It's looking for a specific behavior. And a lot of those behaviors are associated with, like, you know, byte arrays. So they'll basically take a full byte array and then, you know, break it out. So, you know, the commandlet is essentially within a byte array and then they'll concatenate that and then execute that. Um, so it's looking for behaviors around that um, to prevent code from ex being executed. Huge. So you said for the community, by the community, you mentioned yep. you wrote the constrained language mode chapters. Were there yep. other people that wrote different chapters? A lot of contributors yes. to this? Yes. Yeah, so there was a few people um, I, I, uh, in okay. the book. If you, yeah, yeah there, there's, there's so many, there's so many contributors. Yep. I, um, I, I can, I'm just going to kind of name a couple. Like my wife helped out with the cover art. So she did all the cover art. Um, we got Alan. Um, we had, um, Bill Kindle, we had Chad, Christian Covenanty, um, Greg, um, I'm just like Jordan as a technical. There's there's so many different people. Kevin, um, we've got Kieran Jacobson, Krill, and Matt Core, um, Martha Clancy. Massive, a huge list of authors. Um, and you can essentially go and have a look in there. There's a huge, um, there's literally, you know, I'd say a good couple of pages of just authors and bios and and editors and bios and you know quality editors and things like that and that was yeah it's 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 a um yeah so you can go through and have a bit of a read there but I I started off as a uh, um as kind of like the editor in chief and then I just kind of decided that I was I wanted to write the constrained language mode chapter because security interests me and then um um we had some authors pull out and I was like yeah I'll write that you know. And so that was, I wrote the, the session configuration chapter or the JEA chapter and really got, you know, got my teeth stuck into the deep dive onto that. And that was, um, you know, really, really interesting. And then it was like, hey, let's do, you know, I, I wrote the advanced functions and then the um, refactoring PowerShell. So um, chapters as well. So it's, it's uh, but there's, you know, you know, um, Nick wrote all regex, wrote all the regex stuff. Um, 
But yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, huge shout out to a lot of people. I know Matt Core did a, a ton of work with the unit testing side of things. So yeah, it's, nice. it's, it's a massive effort from everyone. Well, congrats and shout out to everybody who contributed. But man, yes. spearheading an effort like this, especially in the time period of the world where you were mm. working on this for the bulk of it, man, kudos to you. Um, huge <laughs> kudos to you really for on behalf of the whole community. I don't know if I can technically mm. do that, but man, really, mm. really amazing effort. We're so fortunate to now have this as a result of those efforts. And I'm mm. sure there was a ton of effort you put in a lot of following up with people probably. Um, so thanks so much for that, man. And, and so are you uh, getting rich off this or what? It's all going, it's all going to charity. What a nice guy. What? Yeah. Tell it's us about that. Charity. It's going to the on-ramp, right? Yeah. It's going on-ramp. Yep. All, all proceeds are going to on-ramp. I don't get a cent. None of the authors or anyone gets a cent. They all donated their time for this book. That's huge. And so, again, it's you're not supporting us. You're not supporting um, um, the authors or anyone. You're supporting the community. And I think that's why I'm saying it's by the community for the community. That's huge. In every way, shape, and form, which is fantastic. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, having people that in authors and editors and linguistic editors to, don to donate their time, huge thank you to those guys and girls um, because it's just an amazing, um, they've just done an amazing job. That's awesome. If you're listening to this, you have access to budget or you have spare money, buy this. But particularly, I think most people are able to hopefully expense a book definitely get this on your shelves. Your organization will be better for it. I think that if you were to just get one small tip from it, it's worth the cost of admission, let alone being able to use it to get a better perspective on areas that you don't have experience in. Because based on the mm -hmm. breadth of the book, I don't know if anyone would have ex all those experience. Like what person exists that understands all that and has actually gone mm -hmm. through all that? And that's, it's one of the things that, yeah, it's, it's, there is so much content in there. And I think that the key thing is, is that what we're wanting to move towards is having um, learning materials as well. So we're going to basically create a labs um, book going forward, add the second edition. Um, we've got um, a whole bunch of other things we're wanting to do with that as well. We're thinking about creating a teaching manual, um, but that might be third edition. Um, but the idea is, is that we just want to you know, put as much as we can into this book so that people are better informed. And it's, you don't have to go and buy the paperback um, copy. Um, you can get it on LeanPub. It's a lot cheaper. And the reason why is because of printing costs. So, <clears throat> um, and the one thing you can do as well is if you um, subscribe to LeanPub's email, they might send you some coupon codes um, and you can also get a discount over that as well. But um, it's definitely worth, um, it's definitely worth investing in that book. Um, you're going to learn a lot. And by the community, not by one opinionated person, right? There's mm -hmm. a, it's a generally accepted best practices kind of deal. It's not and, uh, one person's thing. And, that, and that's the thing that was really interesting in the PR. So we did this book using um, GitHub. This book was written in Markdown. We, so we had pull requests um, and the collaboration that was happening in the pull requests was insane. It was insane. We had pull requests that had over 300 comments in them. So um, I just did a so quick, it's, quick count. 26 <laughs> contributors for the book. That's, that's some good collaboration. That's what we're all about, collaboration. I think that's awesome. Mm. 
Wow. It was, it's, it's a lot of work, um, but it, it's totally worth it in the end. And it's actually something that, you, like you said earlier, you touched on earlier, was that we were struggling. Um, and like personally, I was struggling as well with the, the scope of this book and the ambitious nature of it. And me being a, um, a pretty, um, I, I, love, I love to take ownership of, of something and I will run that thing to the very end. And so I just, like, I, I was at the point where I was talking with my wife and I was saying, mm, do we continue with this? Do we not continue with this? And we thought about, like, we discussed it. And I just thought, hell with it. I'm going to see this thing through. The reason why is because come hell or high water, I want this book published. Um, and so we're just going to do whatever it needs to be done to get it over the line. And it's just, it's very fortunate that um, we've had, I have to work with some amazing people that really, really helped me get that book over the line. And huge thank you to everybody who contributed to the book. Um, your efforts made this book possible. Dude, such a huge accomplishment. Mm. I, I mean, I I try not to say beautiful too much because I get too uh, thinking about the big picture. But man, it's such a beautiful thing to see so many people coming mm. together, paying it forward on the same page, contributing to something better. And now after, you know, you mentioned having kind of a deciding moment, is this right? I mean, that doesn't mm. surprise me to hear. I was kind of expecting, I didn't know if I wanted to bring up like, hey, what were some of the challenging moments with such mm. an ambitious thing? Uh, I, I couldn't imagine there not being like, cause it's such a big undertaking. Um, and now to be on the other end of it, oh my goodness. That's huge. Mm. And not really the other end. You said it's still in progress, but you know, yeah. you have a great thing to build on now. That's exactly right. Um, we've got now a platform to build on and it's not as, it's not as an arduous pro, uh, process now. We, can, we have something to work with. So, and that, and that, that's the most important thing. Dude, and we need this. I, I like how it, it's selfless on two sides because all the, all the time spent into it was a selfless act just to get people that knowledge. The other side is the, goes to the on-ramp. We just talked to mm. Jeff Hicks who runs on-ramp mm -hmm. about how important it is. More scholarships for that is a huge opportunity for a lot of people. So I, like everything about this book is just pure good. It's making the world better. You, you don't right. run into yep. a lot of pure good out there. Just trying to make the, just trying to make a difference. That's it. <laughs> and we're lucky. We're lucky that you are trying. The community is very lucky for that. So awesome. Love to see it. Love to see it. Definitely check out the book. Link in the show yep. notes down here. And there's, it's also on Amazon as well. So um, don't be afraid copy. if you, if you, yeah, if you want a hard copy, it's 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 a thick one. It's a thick one. Like I can see, um, just back there. That's the book there. Um, it, it, you can you can use it to work out with as well. So there's an extra, you know, uh, positive thing. If you needed to get fit, you've got a really heavy textbook to work with. Um, I, I recommend don't reading in bed, holding it up because if you get tired, it might hit you in the face. Um, but yeah, that's, that's me with my phone every single night. What's going on? <laughs> I'll be watching something with my wife and she knows that eventually it's just coming down. So if you don't mind me going back, you mentioned a couple of times, uh, just enough administration. Like, yep. are, what, it seems to be a common hurdle for that's going to be initial adoption because by its very nature, you have to be over restricted to start because you don't know what people need access to, but you do have to remove things they don't. So it seems to me that you're going to hit a lot of roadblocks where people are going to lose stuff you didn't know they needed. How, how do you get mm. past that to get that fully implemented where you're going to get so much pushback? So there's two ways. It, unfortunately, um, within JEA, you don't have um, 
the audit capability within, you know, AppLocker. So you can essentially review those event logs. Um, the key thing is that it's going to have to work with those end users. That being said, what you can do is you can integrate um, the um, you can integrate those changes into unit testing for when you uh, f- to test your um, session configuration within JEA. So, for instance, what I mean by that is that what you can do is you can go, all right, this user has these. Um, has these specific permissions. They can run these commands. So you can then run a unit test to test for that specific thing when you actually set up your role capability files, when you set up your Active Directory, RBAC environment, or when you have your RBAC environment and you integrate those changes into, um, integrate that into your session configuration. Um, you can test for that. There's unit testing that you can help, that will help you show and give that visibility to what is there and what isn't there. Um, and I think with the PowerShell side of things as well, because it's such a fairly small aspect of it in terms of um, there's only a certain number of groups that usually are going to have access to a remote system. Um, it's it's not it, it's not going to be as a, a bigger impact um, to the wider automation side of things. Um, there's still going to be a lot of changes that are being required, especially if you're you know invoking a command or you're doing any sort of remote execution. That's going to have to be, you know, your existing code is going to have to be updated to point to a specific configuration source. Um, but at the end of the day, though, it's um, you can test that, and that's the key thing. Is that so? Unfortunately, you're going to have to work with those teams and say, "Hey, what do you run?" And then basically from that, you can then write unit testing um, to test the capability of those files to ensure that they have that capability um, to be able to execute those uh, specific items. It seems like. Implementing GA is going to lean heavily onto some soft skills. You have to communicate yes. really well what you're doing and give them foreknowledge. Say, hey, please let me know if you notice anything break. Like communication it, seems. It, yeah, it's 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 going to be one of those soft skills, and I think it's just with any sort of migration is that you're going to have to work with those teams and say, hey, these are the pieces of code that we run. Be able to craft a session configuration file for that. Um, write testing to test that that configuration files meets those requirements and then basically implement and then, you know, rinse and repeat um, for each script or for each team and for each team, sorry. So I have a question. Say, and I've asked this a couple times, but I think it's so Mm. useful because I think there's so many there. Mm. Say I know some PowerShell. I've done some Mm. stuff. I've automated maybe a couple things, but overall my environment is not best practice. Mm. Um, right. Like maybe remoting isn't maybe properly configured all the way. There's no GIA, there's no, uh, code signing, nothing. Where do people begin? If you're in that environment, you're ready to take the next step. Where should we start? Cause it can be a little overwhelming. I'd imagine. It is. Um, I actually make a bit of a comment in the book about this and this is, I call it the, um, the four tiers of PowerShell security. Um, you've got script console, remoting, and um, code. So, um, so script is script execution, console is console execution, um, remoting, and yeah, and code. First thing I would start is with your code. Sign your code. Get and unfortunately we don't have this chapter yet, but abstract away your secrets to a, a vault. Whether and use Secrets Manager to do that. Get rid of plain text passwords in your code. Get rid of them. 
They shouldn't be there. Gone. Um, that's a good start because that essentially allows you to build on the other things. The four pillars, however, all have to be implemented for it to have an environment that is um, appropriately secure. And the reason why I say every environment, uh, every four pillar has to be, all four pillars have to be implemented. And for instance, like script and console kind of overlap a little bit, is that what happens is without one, for instance, if you don't have GEO implemented, lateral attacks um, become a thing. And so having GEO in place can remove a lot of that. So it's you need to make sure that you cover all your different bases to ensure that the environment is sound um, in its. But getting started, however, well, that's fine. Don't 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 um, you know don't bite off more than you can chew. Focus on getting your code up to scratch, getting that implementation implementation. Um, done correctly, script sign that piece of code, have your certificates ready. Then when you're ready, move into console and script-based execution. And then once you've done that, then the final cherry in the pie, I would say, is Jira. Um, and the reason why is it can be a little bit complicated, but that's just because the way that I, within the book, I talk about setting up your role capability files using RBAC um, and basing the identity off I'm using RBAC within Active Directory. So that means that what happens is you're not associating, you're associating the permission to a role, not to an identity. So it means that that role um, has that permission, which then, you know, if you don't have an RBAC implementation within Active Directory, or if you don't have an RBAC, you know, within your within an RBAC identity, um, you're gonna that'll be a bit more trouble, uh, a bit more difficult to implement because on that side of things. You have, um, you know, you've got to be tying permissions to identities. And then if that identity leaves, you know, or that person decides to go and change a role, they've had this permission specifically bound to that identity, which means then someone else is going to come in and go, hey, I don't know, I don't know what it is. So just making life a little bit easier from the management, you know, the overview perspective. But um, the idea, then that can be tackled last. So there's no, um, yeah, no right or wrong answer with it, but. Uh, that that's the way that I would kind of go about doing it. So you, you mentioned that you didn't have anything on the secrets module or pulling out the passwords yep. out there, but I love volunteering Andrew's time. And anytime I'm using secrets, I use his blog. So if you, if you need a writer for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sign me up for writing. <laughs> Your blog's writing. fantastic is all I'm saying. Yep. Hey, it's a good module. It's easy to use. So hey. it, it's an excellent module. Um, there's, it's, it's funny though. Um, one of the things I've had at work is that, the secrets module and um, there's a, um, a secrets manager called Psychotic Secret Server or TSS. They have the exact same name. And when you have modules that are running the, so they, they, so they have commandlets that are exactly the same. So get secret exists on both sides. Um, yeah. Hang on one second. Um, my daughter's just said popped in. Mm-hmm. One sec. Sorry. No problem. Hey. <laughs> What's up, sweetie? You want something to eat? Yeah. We're we're hopping back into the PowerShell. I I have a question. Oh. Mm. How many? You're a two time MVP, right? So now, obviously, we're talking about a huge accomplishment and achievement, but Mm. what were you initially contributing in the PowerShell world to get your first MVP? Oh, that's actually really good. Um, So I wrote a chapter for the PowerShell Conference book, Volume Two. Um, I also did a ton of editing on that book um, as well. 
to get that the book over the line. And I did I do a ton of work on Reddit, um, and I run my own user or run the user group as well. So um, I kind of I was in this little constrained area. I would say you know you could say constrained language mode in my little constrained um, area, and I kind of just sit in that area and focus on that specific thing. But I kind of um, wanted to do something bigger um, and, you know, contribute a lot more, especially within the, the wider community. So, yeah. So it's your user group, the Brisbane Infrastructure DevOps user group. Just, That's correct. So, yeah. All right. So I, I just set up on, on YouTube. So if anyone wants to see that user group, there's some videos out there already kind of see what what's happening to that one. Yeah. So we've taken a bit of a break um, over Christmas and February and January. We're coming back with March. Um, I'm just waiting on Gail to write me my um, quick, write me a quick um, blurb about um, this month. But we basically have speakers lined up this entire year now. So it's just, um, yeah. Um, so we're going to be back. Um, it just, yeah, took a bit of a break for obviously first of January and then February had uh family matters to attend to, which unfortunately meant that I couldn't make that commitment. And then March was um, little, little bub. So, uh, sorry, I'm um, sorry. January was commitments. February was, yeah, was um, um, bub. So yeah. A huge congrats on the yeah. baby. Thanks, I, I mentioned it earlier, yeah. but that's so awesome. Yeah. So well, what's your uh, name in Reddit? I know Twitter, your PowerShell, Michael, what's your name in Reddit for those that are? The, PowerShell, Michael. Oh, same thing? Yep, look at that! Look thing. at that branding. I need to post on the PowerShell Reddit more. It's 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 something. It's really it's. Uh, there's one person on there that um, you know, Jordan Boreen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so funny that when I like he occasionally posts on the PowerShell um, Reddit, I'm just like immediately, guys, this is the correct answer. Ignore everybody else. Like he's one of the most knowledgeable guys I've ever met. And I'm fortunate enough to actually, um, he, he, he lives locally. So really? I'm fortunate enough to have, yeah, have, um, dinner with him. He invited me to his wedding. It was really, really amazing. Wow. That's so, so cool. Yeah, I had a, no clue. He's on yeah. discord a lot too. Yeah. He's on discord a he lot. He knows yeah, his stuff though. Like you're saying <laughs> he knows his stuff. Yeah. He's really, really knowledgeable. And like, um, and yeah, his family is, is, is also Italian. So, you know, I'm yeah, he, his, um, yeah, they have, yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. Like they're really, really, yeah, really, really fun. Wow. To be with. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Small world. Yeah, it's a very small world. He actually comes from um, a similar area of Italy as well. So, oh, wow. Um, so we might be related somewhere from a marriage in Italy, but. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the MVP, and I saw you have a Selenium MVP. What's it called? The name of your module? The cell MVP. Cell yeah. MVP, yeah. So what's yep. that? Uh, I, I know a little bit about Selenium, but you use it for MVP contributions or what's going on there? Yeah, so this is um, one of these things where I wrote... So when I applied to be an MVP for the first time, you had to add all your contributions. And that was uh, single-line contributions for each of your um, the things that you've done. And the idea is that... I wrote this PowerShell script because I looked at this and I've gone, I've got over 500 entries. I can't do this. This There's got to be a better way. And this was at the time that um, Adam released PS Selenium. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a look at this. So I basically wrote it a really rough around the edges script that allowed me to add um, at least all the Reddit entries into um, the contributions. 
And it just basically ticked through and automated it. And then I thought, all right, this is a great tool for everyone, for anyone who needs to be able to, as a nominee, needs to add their contributions. Now, keep in mind at this point in time, once you're an accepted MVP, you have access to the API. You don't need this. You don't need Selenium. It's it's whatever. Um, and I was being, um, I was advocating really heavily for um, nominees to have access to the API. I didn't want them to be using Selenium. Selenium is kind of a um, a band aid solution, as I kind of see it. Um, it's not something that I, if there's a better way of doing it by an API, use the API. It's going to be a lot faster. It's more concise. There's going to be less issues. The um, the problem was is that um, you can automate the um, your your submission um, basically as as a parameterized input. Um, but the issue is now that Microsoft removed the API. Oh no! What? So the idea for this module was that I actually wanted to delete it um, in the sense that. I wanted people to use the API and I was strongly advocating for this. And so then when the news came around that they removed the API, um, you can see there was a bit of, um, um, that was a, a, a bit of frustration around that. So what happened was they, um, yeah, the only module that kind of still stands up at this point in time is mine, but it needs a lot of maintenance um, because the fact that it's, there's all these little new little issues that are popping up, but the Selenium um, PowerShell module is actually, uh, sorry, the, this, the MVP PowerShell module is um, written as a domain-specific language um, for uh, similar to PESTA. So the idea is, is that you essentially write your activity or your contribution, and then basically you parameterize it. So you basically, um, you know, pass it through. And then I took it a step even further because I just thought that's not good enough. So the idea is, is that you can essentially CS, CSV import all your values, um, which is what 99% of the people will do. And what it will do is it'll actually dynamically write um, the, it'll write the, the main specific language um, and then parameterize the CSV inputs into it. So it's, it's really cool from a technical perspective. But like I say, automation is meant to be boring. Um, it sounds really silly, but automation is meant to be boring um, to the end user. They're just like, hey, I just want this to do this. Um, uh, but like under the hood, you know that like it's doing some pretty cool stuff. Like it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Now, what is Selenium for somebody who hasn't maybe been introduced to it? What can it be used for? Selenium is really useful. It's a web testing framework. That's probably the best way to describe it. It's a web testing framework but you can use it to automate web forms. And it's really, it's really good for that. Um, another little project which I worked on was to, um, I automated Microsoft Rewards. So it would automatically go through and um, generate, uh, you know, select all the different buttons and create a, uh, you know, for the Microsoft Awards and, you know, do the, do the surveys and things like that. So, um, not going to publicly release that, but because um, then Microsoft will be not happy about that. But um, I think that, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just automated it because yeah, you can do a lot of really cool automation within the um, that that space. So yeah, shout out Adam Driscoll for that module, right? Yeah, huge shout out to Adam for that. <sighs> busy guy, so good. Yeah, <laughs> all, that, that guy is busy all the time, and then he runs a marathon. Like, 
Yeah, he, he was a fun guest just because I was exhausted just him explaining his day to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got some cool projects, though. Mm. And you mentioned Power Protect or whatever. What was it? The Power Shell Protect. Yeah, yes. Power Shell Protect. Yeah. That worked on. That, that's a really interesting module, especially if you look at the, the, the code under the hood and how it works. Mm. Really, really interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, Jordan... You got some hard hitters today or what? You've been throwing oh. softballs. You, you're going to bring some hard hitters or where are you feeling, man? Well, no one's ever ready for the common parameters, especially when I can't find them and I forget what they are. Well, yeah, I <laughs> forgot what they are too. And the reason you forgot what, what they were is because I decided to write our notes all on top of it. So good luck with that. They're, they're camouflaged in our notes. I, I think I have it. The problem is these questions are so difficult that even my own brain shuts them out and I don't have to answer them. Your eyes just like skip past it kind of deal. Yeah, I've been there. You ready, Michael? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What's one time something went wrong while on the job? How did you handle it? And what did you learn from it? Oh, God. Oh, God. I got, I got so many good stories. Um, I think the, I think oh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the very first, very first one because that's always a very entertaining story. And um, it's one of those things that you learn a lot from it. Um, so, it's my first week in my very first IT job. I'm some junior help desk guy. This was back in 2009. Um, and my manager says to me, he's like, hey, we've got this really, really old, oh, we've got this UPS that we're wanting to use. And these are the back in the days when you had the UPS that basically had a battery pack and then it had a transformer that kind of sat on top of each other. Um, he wanted to change the batteries out and the batteries were gone. I'm like, yeah, no sweat. We can do that. And so what happened was... Um, there was a battery shop just up in walking distance and I went and bought um, for essentially right-on mower size lead-acid batteries. So these batteries are quite big, you know, they're quite, and they, they, they've got a lot of current through them. And um, so I pull the old ones out, go and buy these new ones, and it's about, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of money, like it's a little bit of money. Anyway, so pull the batteries out, put the new ones in. Like and I, Electronics is, you know, I've, I've worked with electronics before, but... And it's one of these things that I thought, um, yep, I've got this, chuck them in. And I'm doing the nut up on the final um, the final terminal. I've connected all the other terminals together. I'm just doing the final nut up. And I accidentally crossed the terminals. And I arc weld the nut onto the bolt on, on the terminal. So you cannot take that bolt off. And I sat there and I went and talked to my boss about it. And he's like, we're trying to undo it. There is nothing to be undone. Like this, there, it is literally being welded onto it. So the, I basically have to come to work the next day with bolt cutters to cut this bolt off. So I did. Uh, I had bolt cutters in my backpack that looked really uh, suspicious. <laughs> um, and I cut it off and I was like, okay, no, I've still got this. But it gets worse. So I put the bolt back, I basically cut the bolt off, put a new bolt on, tighten it all up, get the leads and everything. And we go to plug it in into the, um, and this is, you know, these really, really big thick cables. You know, the really big thick cables you have for your trailer when you basically like your trailer camper van, you've got those really big thick, you know, uh, cables. It's got one of these kind of, I can't remember what the cable type is, but the really, you know, really big square ones. Anyway, plug that in. I reversed the terminals so it gets worse so we plug it in and a fireworks show starts 
but it gets worse. This is my first week in IT and it gets worse. At the peak of this fireworks show that's happening, the CEO walks in and he's just like, what the hell's going on? And I'm just sitting there just like, oh, my God, like, I can't, like, like, we're in a big warehouse, so there's nothing's going to catch on fire, but, like. It's not a good, so, not a good look for that. It, it seems to be, no. there, there's two takeaways from this. One is once you let the magic smoke out of electronics, they don't work anymore. Uh, the, the, sec- yeah. the second one is you have a fantastic opportunity to put amateur arc welder on your resume now. <laughs> yes. And I'm lucky I didn't kill myself as well. Like, you know, good thing these things were insulated because if, if it's enough to really that quickly weld a bolt, then that's uh you're messing with some high current. Some some dangerous stuff you obviously weren't taking very serious. No, it wasn't. And it's one of those <laughs> things that lesson learned is that measure twice, cut once, then weld that it. Philosophy. <laughs> Don't weld it. Um, and really think about what you're doing. You know, um, Think about the change that you're making and how it's going to affect something else. What's the impact? What's the risk? And like, I didn't think about that. Like I've done electronics before, you know, I've done wiring, things like that. I was like, yeah, I've got this, but it's like the moment there's complacency within a high risk, high impact, um, mistakes get made and mistakes got made. And quite clearly it could have been a lot more serious than what it had been. So that's 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 my big uh, my big takeaway. Um, I've got many, 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 many other stories, um, but Oof. I think that that's the big one. Yeah. Oh, wow, <laughs> that is something. I'm hoping I, I that your new job pays a lot more and is a lot less dangerous. <laughs> I would say it's not a lot less dangerous physically, but there's still you know there's a lot of moving parts. So it's different. It's different in the sense that um, you got to you know um, this this wasn't. From a from a cost perspective, this was minor. From a cost perspective of my job at the moment, if I did something, it's going to be major. So, um, it's it's yeah, it's it's all about different different uh, what's it uh, different fields. Uh, so, but similar risk. But it's important to make sure that you think about what you're doing, and that's something that young people don't do is they don't think about. Like this is myself. It's, I just didn't think about. It. I was just so nonchalantly doing X, Y, and Z, and next thing you know, it's been big trouble. Yeah, going through my twenties, I feel like I've felt my brain get more mature and develop <laughs> through the years. Though it's it's been yeah. weird to kind of go back and be like, wow, I was a lot more impulsive when I was younger. I've, I've, yeah, I've been around my twenties for twenty years now. I'm still waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I found that the moment I had started having children and, you know, really entering the, the space, I like, I grew up a lot. So, and I think that was a really good thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout out kids. Yep. Are you ready for the second common priority? Let's do it. With everything you know now, what is one tip you'd give your younger self when first starting IT? You cannot reuse welding skills. <laughs> um. Yeah, like obviously don't cross terminals um, is a good start. But I think that the, the most important thing, there's two things. Um, and I, because I talk to students about this as well, and it's actually one thing I forgot to mention, I actually go and talk to students about this, is um, my, my um, 
I think Don Jones touched on this and my um my my mentor Wayne Hoggett, he actually um if you guys can look him up, he's on the um Cloud Guru. Really, we're really good mates. We've been mates, work colleagues since 2012. And then we've just been ever since from that, we've just been really, really good mates and we've learned a lot from each other. He's a really, really smart bloke. Um, he's the guy that taught me PowerShell. Um, but the, the the thing is, is that he says is that you've got to never stop learning. Always be learning something new, um, trying something new, doing something new. Um, the other thing which he mentioned is, and this is something um, for um, for audiences as well, what I'll say to younger people is slow down. Um, you don't know everything. Slow down and think about what you're going to do. And it's just a question asking them, what's the impact? What's the risk? How are you going to, you know, if things go belly up, how are you going to roll this back? Those those kinds of that thought process um, help, would help me a lot more thinking about yeah what can what would what potentially can go wrong and there's a lot that can go wrong and it's just thinking about those things exploring the, those options it's not necessarily being so technical it's thinking about the wider picture so you know what did you listen to our interview with Jeff X last week no you can say no okay because he gave a <laughs> yeah. similar answer for that which mm. was. Um, have an exit strategy, like when you go yeah. to do something. And, and I think what you said was slow down, think about things. What's the impact? And if stuff hits the fan, how do we respond to it? And then yeah. just going and, and doing what you feel like is right in the moment. I, yeah. I keep on hearing about all these kids that when they're young have all this self-confidence. And I'm just wondering what that would have been like. I don't think I've ever suffered from that. <laughs> Like I, I don't, I don't. Uh, you might, you might, you can, you can, you can probably bleep this. But my boss basically said in the days, like, mate, you're young, dumb, you're young, dumb, and full of. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are you ready for the <laughs> third and final common parameter? I'm pretty sure that one will be removed. Demonetize the third common parameter. Uh, what are your three of your favorite modules? Oh God! So I think the Active Directory module, hands down, that's my that's my bread and butter. Um, that's that's something that I've used every day. Um, and I think that's going to have to be oh geez, it's Secrets Management. I love Secrets Management. I think it's an excellent module. Um, it makes my life so much easier. And then I think the final one, and I'm kind of going to. It's a bit of a shameless plug for myself, but it's I've been working on this module called SRDSC. Um, which is script runner desired state configuration. Um, and the reason why I love this so much is because what I just what I, I approached script runner and I said, hey, I want to I have this really cool idea where I want to be able to take Gail's data module, um, take datum or the PowerShell toolbox, um, and then marry it up into script runner. But the thing is, is that script runner is more a web GUI that focuses on, you know, simple automation, run the script, do the single thing. It doesn't really have the capability to manage, um, you know, to be able to add a node into desired state configuration. And I thought, okay, anyone could write a script to add a node, you know, into a YAML, you know, configuration file. That that's 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 nothing special. But what what this module does that makes it super cool is that. The module, it's dynamic, 100% dynamic, which means that the script is, is not immutable. It's, it's, it, it will look at your configuration 
and then figure out what parameters it you need to input into when you create a new virtual machine. So if you if you have, for instance, a role, um, if you have a role um, defined within your um, your datum configuration, it'll automatically go. This is a role, and then parameterize those entries into the role. So that when you so the idea is that when you have a help desk guy that goes to add a new virtual machine, he just goes click 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 but is pre-populating all the parameters that he needs to populate. So it's a really, really interesting piece of code because the way that it works under the hood is it needs to pre-pass everything within the datum configuration and then reflect those changes into script runner. Really, really cool. Nice. And then the, the other side of that is basically it has a DSC pool server and then be able to invoke that one um, publish the uh, uh, compile the configuration and then publish those changes into the pool server. So, yeah, it's really really interesting. Sweet. Well, link below if you want to check it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's incomplete. Just so you know, very 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 beta. It's not even oh alpha, alpha probably. Yeah, alpha. Very very alpha. Um, yeah. but it's it's very very interesting, especially from a logic perspective. It's it's one of those pieces of code that, um. It's shameless plug, but the idea is is that the the new the script that you use to create a new virtual machine is dynamically written. So it actually is dynamically writing the logic. So it dynamically writes the parameter input. Um, it dynamically essentially, and then the script itself, because it's a it's a generic script, it then has to figure out what the parameterized inputs are. It uses associates that inputs with metadata. And then basically using that metadata, it's able to do, um, able to insert a configuration entry into datum, uh, sorry, a, a new node into datum and put it in the correct path. That's pretty sweet, man. Nice work. It's really interesting logic. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's I, I don't think I'm doing it justice, but it's really, really interesting logic. But it looks remarkably boring when you go new virtual machine. You're like, click, click, click. There's a new virtual machine. But under the hood, it's like, doing all this really interesting stuff. So like I say, automation's boring for the end user. And that's that's, that's a good thing. Yep. All right. Well, Michael, I'm not sure if you know this, but Andrew's ability to shill has been said by some to be electrifying. So electrifying, <laughs> in fact, that he could weld a bolt with just the use of his words. Just a wink. Just a wink. Yep. But so here we're gonna bring it up and we're hopefully he'll he'll dial it back so we're not at risk, but he's about to shill our podcast in a way that the world has never seen before. All right, take it away, Andrew. I'm a man of the people. You you may say I'm here to shill the podcast, but first and foremost, I'm here to shill the community. Okay. We have an amazing book that everyone should definitely check out. Check out the modern IT automation with PowerShell book. That's where it's at. Leave a comment below letting us know what book was impactful in your PowerShell journey. We all have them. Maybe uh, we'll see some months of lunches, maybe some PowerShell conference books in there, maybe modern IT automation. If you have checked it out, bonus points if you tell us what you learned in this book, if you've already checked it out. Would love to read about that. Uh, give us a like, comment, subscribe. If you're listening to us on a podcast player, give us five-star reviews. Share this with your friends, your friends' friends, your coworkers, your cousin, your mom, whatever. You can hit us up at PowerShell Pod or you can email us, powershellpdq.com. Michael, where can people find you? Because I know they're wanting to tap in. They're saying, this guy, he spearheaded this project. He's impacting the community. He's a nice guy. Where can we find you, man? You can find me on uh, Twitter, 
uh, Pauschal Mike, M-I-C-H-1, Pauschal Michael is the, the name. You can just search that, see my face. Um, or you can you can just search, uh, look me up on LinkedIn. So um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm on Reddit as well. So if you want to send me a DM on Reddit, Pauschal Michael. Um, I, I, I usually check my Reddit um, DMs once a day. So, um, yeah. Awesome. If you want, if you want to hit me up, go from there. I'm all, and as well, I'm on the PowerShell Discord. Um, not very active on it at the moment because, you know, little one. But um, yeah, if if you if you need to hit me up, just just at me on that, and I will um I will see it. Sweet, awesome, awesome episode, Jordan. Yeah. I'm proud of this one, man. Yeah. This, Thank you for joining people. us. But it sounds like Thank uh, you for having me. With how early it is for you, you should go get some breakfast before the baby wakes up. While you have time, man, run. <laughs> it's seven o'clock now my daughter's my daughter's had breakfast so i'm probably gonna uh yeah i'm gonna probably do that i'm gonna probably have some cornflakes so gluten-free cornflakes but nice. yeah <laughs> i hope this this uh podcast inter- energized you rather than just tapped all your energy for the day hopefully you can just ride this buzz for the rest of the day keep it going man. i've got i've got yeah I've, I've i've got plenty of things to do today so um um many of them are probably going to be um trying to feed bub so um but yeah no it's um yeah it, this was a great podcast thank you for having me on um yeah and uh hopefully maybe sometime in the future we will talk about edition two Ooh. and then all the all the the juicy secrets that come out of that hey look forward to it thank you so much i thank you thanks for listening to the powershell podcast with your hosts jordan hammond and andrew plaw he's a troublemaker he's a rabble rouser the powershell podcast is a production of pdq.com making device management simple secure and pretty damn quick